0: This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's
1: time for Bookends. Kia ora, welcome to Bookends with Ruth Todd and Maureen Rout. This week, Maureen talks to the author of Peninsula, a book of interconnected short stories set in Northland. And I have a new thriller from Richard Woolley. Past and present become dangerously entwined in this new intricate and compelling psychological thriller. It's called Detachment Theory, and it's from author and former film director Richard Woolley, who now divides his time between the UK and New Zealand he's lived all over the world. Richard, um, I didn't know much about you um, because you've published your previous novels in uh, England, and um, tell me the links. Is there a link between your filmmaking and then starting your writing, or were you trying to do it all at once?
0: No, there's a definite link, and first of all, good morning, lovely to talk to you. I think that basically when you make films, direct and write scripts, You are always in a team. You are always reliant on several other people, the camera person, the sound, the producer. And you are writing a script as a sort of memo to get money. You are not writing it as a finished product. Now, when you direct the film, of course, it's great. And and you come out with this thing that goes in the cinema or on television. But often you end up with just a script. And that script really doesn't have a very good life ends up in a drawer somewhere, no money for the film, and it's gone, and it's never read. So basically, I think it was in 2010, to be precise, my agent said, the last script wasn't made, why don't you turn it into a novel? Now, I had always been scribbling prose in the background because I love writing um, in the prose form, but this was the moment when I switched from screenwriting to novel writing, because I was not going to have another script sitting in a drawer, not a finished product.
1: Definitely not. I'm very glad you've done that because um, I know you were so successful as uh, um, film director, but um, you've been a very successful novelist and I'm delighted to have suddenly finally found you. Um, so, Richard, um, you, the story of um, Detachment Theory... Tell me how you st- decided to write about these two very different—the um, egalitarian um, sort of accent on New Zealand New Zealanders in 2015, and and families, and uh, the upper sort of um, aristocracy in England, with uh, three brothers who all went to boarding school at a very young age.
0: Right, it started with the death of an actual real life sibling when I was out here in New Zealand, and unfortunately I couldn't get back. Um, they were having a very quick funeral and various other reasons. And I was walking to remember him up north of Auckland, I think in Maharangi, and I suddenly began to gestate, as happens with writers, a novel. Partly out of grief, actually, that I hadn't managed to talk to my brother. But then, as the writer in me won out, so to speak, an actual story began to emerge about supposing there had been something that my brother knew or remembered that I had forgotten that was of great importance. And it went from there, building up to a rather dark secret, and then building up to Me being in New Zealand as the main character and then removing myself as main character and letting Joy, who is the, if you like, heron's not the right word, but the main protagonist, take the lead in the story.
1: I liked the way you did that because she writes in the first person, which for me is always stronger than third person for an important character like Joy. And so she's... the. Um, protagonist as you said and she's a journalist um, she's been brought up in New Zealand she has a Maori mother and she goes across to do some more study and she meets um, Stephen who is um, uh, much uh, quite a bit older than her but they um, marry and come back to um, New Zealand to live at the time that we meet him he's um, and he's not so, well, he is important. It's, an, it's the sort of hints of there must be a sort of problem in his family, but we don't. You gradually introduce us to the other two brothers, and then I realise how dysfunctional the family was. Um, so he's, he likes New Zealand, he's got a good job at the university, but there is a dark shadow. So then you go on to part two when they're on the boat. I think yes, it's, and, uh, it's into um, it's a little bit. Stephen takes over the writing. It's not a very long piece, and then um, I can't tell you anything that happens. <laughs> and then it's uh, spoilers. no spoilers. No, I won't. And so then, um, then when Joy is in England, the third and fourth parts really lead up very well to the climax and uh, so many surprises and they're in um, the third person is was that
0: very carefully planned very carefully planned yes i i always think very carefully about what person i'm going to use as you say the i first person draws you in most effectively and gets you most powerfully inside the head of the key character my feeling is once you've done that as the first half of the book, effectively, then re-meeting that same person in the third person, you're still pretty aware of what's going on in her head, but there's a slight distance. You're sort of saying, OK, we're just looking at her a, a little bit from outside now, but we're still going to be in her head at some time. I wanted to do that because I didn't want it everybody in the first person. I didn't want to end up with lots of different characters in the first person. And I think it works because the suspense is for me, increased when you put something into a third person. It's like that you've let them loose. You're allowed the events to hit them without you being safely inside their head. You're watching them. I suppose it's filmic, probably. Being me, it's filmic.
1: Yes, and you go back um, to uh, Stephen's childhood and um, we have the background story, which is so interesting because then I met, you know, men for... Um, his brother's Manville 1 and Manville 2, and he's Stephen Manville, Manville, Manville three. 3. Yes. <laughs> and um, Manville 1 is the older brother, and he is teaching at the same in prep
0: school. Oh, spoiler, but never mind. No, no, no.
1: No, I'm not spoiling it. No, I'm not <laughs> going to spoil it. I'm just saying he's teaching there yeah, sure. when his other brothers are there too. Yep. Yes, just for a little while. And that sort of builds for me, and I'm wanting to know more about Timothy, the second brother, and um, and then I gradually learn how Stephen is um, has had a pretty bad life with his both brothers, really.
0: Yes, I think it's very important, particularly in a you know crime thriller, psychological thriller, whatever you want to call it, that the plot develops. Slowly but inexorably, so that it's pulling you in, gripping you, wanting you to read the next page. I like diversions, particularly into characters and what they're doing and Mm, thinking, because mm. I think if you're doing it right, then you go with that, and you want to know in the back of your head, yeah, there's something going to happen. We've got to find out something. I can't quite remember what it is, but I know there's things holding me into this book, holding me here, wanting to get to the end, but meanwhile, I'm happy to go down this little diversion and see what happens. And for me, that's very important. And I'm not so keen on books that just stay so heavily in the one plot ploughing straight through.
1: No, uh, no, no. I, I love the diversions. And, and that's what, I mean, I felt I'd read a whole series almost uh, this book could have turned into. Um, you know, it was so... Just You were giving me enough detail to make me wonder how it's going to be, and so it's a page-turner, and that's really important when you're reading a thriller. Did you know a person like Stephen?
0: I knew several people like Stephen. I mean, the question you always get, much more funnily enough as a a writer than a filmmaker, um, is, you know, is that you? No, it's certainly not me. I know people like that I know people with characteristics like that um, and I know people who also funnily enough I know people who have secrets in their past that who have confided in me if they're good friends or who I know of but they don't know I know no, so, no. So the whole range of things on which you base a character um, in- now in that sense the main character Joy is much more made up by me but she's very very real. I think when your key protagonist is in your mind, actually here both in a script and in a novel, you really put all your, if you like, creative skills into getting that character alive, a real person, a person with a burning need to find something out, as she is. And that person is so exciting for the writer because she leads you in a way you didn't necessarily expect. As a screenwriter, I always have a synopsis. It's an old habit, you know. Producers want to see the whole story from beginning to end. But the great thing when writing a novel is that story gets changed by the characters. And in this case, particularly by Joy. She could have just ignored it. She could have switched off Twitter. She could have done loads of things. But no, her character has that sort of determination to find out. She's a journalist.
1: That's right. And in and a way,
0: one of the, the things in the book that comes across um, for me later on is the fact that perhaps she shouldn't have done. Perhaps she shouldn't have gone into all this murk. Perhaps she I'm glad have she should.
1: did. I'm very Let's glad see if she it
0: goes did. Aside. But of course, from the reader's point of view, you're <laughs> yes. extremely glad. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's right. And you also introduce some um, other, they're they're other characters connected to the family um, towards the end. And I thought I'd... Had enough characters already to think about, and then you threw in some others and another story, uh, sub-story, and uh, that made it really, you know, it was there till the last page. I was expecting something new.
0: Good. Well, that's that's what I like, and mm. I think that the notion of the subplot very much again a script thing and subplots driving the plot, complementing, or you know, upsetting the main plot. That's very much script technique but it works well in the novel and just going back briefly to that thing about novel script it's not just the ability to get into the mind of someone in a novel that you don't really have in the script filmmaking is always about observing from outside but it's the use of language it's being able to depict things and describe things in a way that is much more detailed than any script and that's what I totally enjoy, totally want the reader to enjoy the language as well as the story
1: Thank you for writing Detachment Theory I'm recommending it highly and uh, I've now got six others (laughs) before this to read and um, it's by Richard Woolley and it's published by Author House You're listening to Bookends on Plains FM
2: 96.9 Peninsula is the title of Sharon Kame's stories. She has an MA in creative writing from the International Institute of Modern Letters, and she won the 2021 Adam Foundation Prize for this book. Sharon interlinked stories um, which come across as a novel in form and all set in the same community, it draws you in in a way that um, just disparate short stories would never do. How did you come upon the structure for this?
3: Um, Well, it's funny. um, It was mostly down to pragmatism, actually, because um, I wrote the manuscript as part of my MA, and doing the MA, I was, working as well so I didn't have much time and I didn't have much experience at writing fiction so I wasn't confident that I'd be able to keep an entire novel in my head um, while doing everything else so and I quite like short stories so I thought well why not combine the two and have them linking to each other with overlapping characters Um, and I've seen that done really well by other writers and I've always found them those kind of that way of writing is quite a pleasure to read as a reader Um, so Tim Winton's The Turning was probably the one that was foremost in my mind when I kind of dreamed up what I was going to do.
2: Yeah, in some ways it reminded me a bit, um, but, um, although different, obviously, to Elizabeth Stroud with M- uh, Mrs Kitteridge and Olive Kitteridge and and the way that you get to know uh, the people quite intimately in a way that somehow you don't, or you, I suppose you do in novels, but um, you keep the links in your head and um, you are able to focus pretty pretty intensely on, on each of the characters.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think the form lends itself to that because when you're writing a short story, they do tend to be, I think, quite intense, intense if you focus on every every little detail needs to count in a way, whereas when you're writing a whole novel, you've got kind of lots, lots more time. Someone on our course, I remember, use the analogy, a short story is like a single room in a house whereas a novel you can wander around through the whole house and check out the back garden and, you know, the balconies and look <laughs> out the windows and you've got a lot of time to
2: Yes, yes, just the place. Amble. Amble rather than <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um but also, um you as you're writing them they're all set in obviously in this um in this country area, an area that you know particularly well Um, and so it does give you a very intense sense of place as well as character
3: Yeah, yeah and I I, I like that as well, I mean as someone who's quite into the outdoors I love going tramping and running outside, I wanted, I mean I do connect with outdoor places and and yes I want I was envisaging the general area where I grew up, although I haven't lived there for many, many years.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But those memories stay very intense, don't they, of our childhood? I
3: think they do, your childhood, yeah. Yeah, there's something indelible about it.
2: So this is Northland, um, up near Whangarei, Cause yeah. you mentioned the hen and chickens and the views and the so there's a different type of bush there there's a different type of um farming well not different type of farming but the the country le- lends itself to you know beach and bush and and um and dairy farming and it's it's a way of life that's that's you know, not particular. I suppose it is particular to the to the place.
3: Yeah, I think it's to a certain extent it's particular to the place. But I'm certainly hoping when I wrote it, there it would um, appeal to people who live in other places. They might re- certainly people who come from remote rural or small towns on the side of State Highway One, for example. Anywhere in the country, it wouldn't necessarily. I mean, Northland does have a particularly subtropical climate, I suppose, and yes, a particular kind of bush. But I think the way the characters interact wouldn't be necessarily. No, no, for I, that region. No, that,
2: you're right. It yeah. is universal, and you know, for somebody, I grew up in a remote farming community, and so a lot of what you're saying. Resonated totally with me. But even if you didn't, you know, there's, there's there's always interest in human interaction, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So all those characters. How um you you start with Jim in the book, who's the old retired farmer, and uh, you take us through all you know the members of his family, and then of course the wider context. Did did you start with one character and then? imagine the others or were they all pretty fully formed for you?
3: Um, Well this is quite pragmatic as well. I kind of I I wrote half of the stories and I I did start with Jim as the kind of patriarch I guess and I had in my mind a few others that I thought I might write and then I said to my classmates when I did my workshop for the MA, well, who else would you like to hear from? And there were a few reckons in the room. People said the Barclay girl, Jack, and the younger generation, which at the time I hadn't really thought of, but that that ended up being a great idea. And I basically, I then went away and wrote another five stories based largely on my classmates' reckons.
2: Oh, no. that, very useful.
3: It was <laughs> yes, because yes. <laughs> yes, you
2: do you end up with the younger generation their 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 place in this community. Um, yes,
3: which I think works really well because um, I I was keen to end on a slight slightly uplifting trajectory if I could. I, I mean, I know that I read. Elizabeth Strout's Olive series during the course, actually. Um, I hadn't read any of her work before, um, which is amazing. But, I, but also, I mean, I wouldn't. Basically, her main characters are on a slightly downward trajectory, <laughs> she <would say. laughs>
2: Indeed, they all are. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Old age and nostalgia <laughs> yeah. and shame and guilt yeah. And, and yeah, r- yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, people living in in those well, all communities, you know, this change going on, enormous change, and so it is good to to set the younger characters in in a. You know, Jim's retired, he's reflecting a lot on what farming was like and what family, the family dynamics, and then you have the young people at the end who don't want to use an old-fashioned map when they're out in the bush. <laughs> they, can't, <laughs> they can't see the use of it. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, I thought that was very amusing, that, that um, part of the story.
3: Yes, yes, I like it. And I also, I I really wanted to show that there's issues that are important to the younger generation that maybe retired people have less of an interest in, because they're not going to be around, unfortunately. Um, And it's unfortunate they're not going to be around, but it's also unfortunate that maybe for that reason also they, they just don't register as strongly things like climate change and, and the irreversible impacts of some of our actions.
2: Well, you, of course, are an energy analyst <laughs> as well as a writer. So, you know, there's, and there's not that you're beating any drums for anything in particular here, but of course it is a contemporary concern, conservation um the impact of of the change of land use in, in, you know, everywhere. So that comes in, doesn't it, into these stories, how the community has been impacted and changed.
3: Yes, and I think that probably it was influenced slightly by my day job, which is kind of researching renewable energy options and things like that. But also, I think, as someone who goes back to my childhood locality fairly regularly, because I still have family who lives there, I can you see the changes um and I in a way that I don't think you see them quite as clearly if you live somewhere all the time, so I was kind of an outsider with some insider context I suppose
2: Was there one or two characters that you particularly found challenging to write about?
3: Um, I think I found Melissa in Horizon and Sophie in Trailblazer were both quite intense characters who have yeah, quite hard struggles that they deal with. And I, yeah, I found them, they were quite hard to write. Well, they weren't, it's not that they were hard to write, but I, I needed to take breaks and go for runs. <laughs> <laughs> and just get them out from under my skin for a while when I was writing them in particular, yeah.
2: Well, I think it's a remarkable feat and a a wonderful read. I was totally absorbed and um, intrigued by it. So thank you, Sharon. Oh, thank you. The book is called Peninsula. It's by Sharon Kame and it's published by Te Waka University Press. And join us, Moran Rout and Ruth Todd, next Tuesday on Bookends on Plains FM 96.9.